Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga A to Fuga Z. I'm your host, Ian James Wright. Joining me today to discuss Exit Only from 1991's Steady Diet of Nothing is a fan of the band and podcast listener, Justin Roshgolb. How's it going, Justin? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm great. Give me the pronunciation of your name one more time. Did I hit it? Uh, it's close enough. Roshkalb. I've heard it. I've heard it many different ways. So any kind, anything remotely close, I will. I will uh, recognize as my last name. So we're all good. Got it. Excellent. Um, well, we're talking Fugazi. Um, what would you like to say about them? Do you want to tell me a little about your relationship with them? How you got into them, etc. Sure. Yeah. So um, you know, as far as like how I got into them. Kind of probably like a lot of other fans, I was introduced to them, you know, by way of some friends. And actually, I think it was first by way of like Minor Threat, really, and kind of discovering their catalog and then going into into Fugazi. But um, I really kind of hold them really special to me because I was introduced to them by this group of friends who are now, you know, ended up being my, my lifelong friends. So I kind of equate my friendship with them and kind of figuring out who I was to kind of the introdu- introduction to like punk rock in general and then Fugazi being that one band that's kind of just like stuck with me and stuck with us throughout the years that will always kind of continue to to have uh you know conversations about so it's it's kind of it's kind of special but um I um just by way of my introduction a little bit so I'm from the the middle class burbs of like northern New Jersey like it's like an hour west of New York City kind of you know typical what you'd think of the t- typical boring suburban setup um just distinctly remember like hitting this point it was like middle school age um where i was really becoming you know more aware of who i was what what my values were what i liked who i wanted to spend my time with um i feel like i'm sure a lot of people feel this way but there's just this period of of your life where you kind of you know am i am i just going along with these people my friends and 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 pretending that i like what they like or do i actually like have my own kind of opinion and stuff so i just remember kind of um meeting meeting a couple of these people who are who are now my friends and and seeing they were into music and they were into bands and punk and stuff and that kind of really resonated with me and i said hey like what's it like you know hanging out with these people um so i kind of look at it like there's that point in my life where I um, met them and then it almost like changed and then my life kind of went in this different direction. So I don't know if it's if it's a uh, punk or them specifically, but like that's how it how it all came to be. So, yeah, and it's hard to generalize even about, you know, people who listen to punk music. There's certainly all kinds of people who do that. Some, yeah, uh, some no, great, and- some not so great. I just remember it being very different vibe from like the people who I was currently hanging out. It was just like more open, more accepting, like positive, like, Hey, let's talk about this band. And like, let's, you know, that whole kind of communal aspect of it, like totally like oozed out of them. And like, I just gravitated toward it. Um, I remember kind of weaseling my way into getting invited to one of their band practices and kind of just, you know, it just clicks. It's like, okay, these are my people. Like, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be hanging out with. Um, yeah, that's so and, cool. Uh, that that brings back a memory that I have of yeah, being in high school and my I was I was never in like any kind of real band, but I had a friend who was and I remember going to one of her band practices and I I don't know, like I think for a lot of people it would be boring, but I was really enthralled by it just seeing this like very amateur band 
do their thing and, yes. and work it out and just you know be sitting in the room so yeah i, I know what you <laughs> for mean. me it, it just it just made music so much more accessible like Prior to that, music was something you saw on MTV, something that was created in like a studio that you had no idea or knowledge of how it even got there. You saw, you know, people on MTV playing in like, you know, their getups and, and all that stuff. But like, this was like, okay, like I can be me and like, I can play music. And it like, it just made it so much more accessible. Um, I remember, <laughs> and, and same same with you. Like I went to the, the practice and I was just like, this is so cool. Like they're playing originals. <laughs> They played this song, which I, at the time I thought it was going to be um, What I Like About You by The Romantics. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then he busts out, I'm a poor boy born and raised. And I'm like, what What the hell is this? Which ended up being, um, you know, sometimes good guys don't wear white, the mm-hmm. cover that Minor Threat covers. And um, that's where, you know, I was kind of asking about that song. And, you know, just remember listening to the lyrics. I think they, they made me a tape of it. And uh, of of the minor threat songs and eventually Fugazi songs and hearing that, hearing like songs like Out of Step and and Small Man Big Mouth and like just remember like I like I can totally get these lyrics like I kind of do feel like I'm like out of step like I'm not into all the stuff that that these people some of some of these other people are interested in I'm like I don't care about drinking I don't care about parties like I want to kind of just have a good time with my friends and be like a kid and be a human being and I just remember really having that hit me and then you know later just discovering Fugazi from, from, you know, by way of minor threat, kind of almost chronologically. And all this, although the time I'm talking about is probably like the mid nineties. So around like red medicine era, but just kind of discovering their albums one on one, uh, one by one and just digging into them. Um, and it just kind of blossomed. The more I learned about the band, the more I learned about what they support, how they run their band. Um, I was lucky enough to see them two times before they stopped playing and, and just seeing them live was just like, okay, Oh my God, like this is unmatched to anything I've ever seen. <laughs> kind of, a, you know, I, I subconsciously found myself like judging all other bands against them, to, if I'm being honest. Like, and it's just been unmatched. Like, I just am totally in line with this band and love everything about them from their music to, to everything else. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way about them as a live band. How, uh, how many times did you see them? Um, twice. And I think we might have been at the same show. I heard you talking on another show about the University of Richmond show where it was like freezing Oh, cold. you were there? Yes. We, <laughs> that was a great show. It was, um, we drove from Jersey like straight to see them. We were super early. It was a free show. So we wanted to make sure we were like front row. Yeah. So we were there. I remember it was, that was my second time seeing them. I saw them at the mall in DC in 2000 as well. Yeah. And, um, just like, you know, Ian was walking around. They were all just walking around before the show. And I just remember kind of like looking at him and being like, this is so cool. Like, you know, it's my favorite <laughs> band. And the dude's just here. And he like looked at me and my, it was my, now my wife, but my girlfriend at the time. And he's like, hey guys. And we we're like, hey, like, what's up? <laughs> it's just like, you know, like when I say so accessible, like that's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. It was just great. Um, I had very similar memories awesome about show. Fort Reno, which, which also like, you know, you would go there and it would be Ian McKay, like, standing next to Henry Rollins, just there, like, talking yeah. and watching the band. And I was like, oh, my God, this is uh, this is crazy. It, yeah, You know, the same vibe as, like, your local scene when you're at a yeah. DFW playing a show or whatever, and which, which is what I, I totally appreciate and love about them. But um, I wanted to ask you if you remember this, because this is, like, one of the funniest things at, at, at their show. Some guy, do you remember, he kept saying, play a minor threat song, play a minor threat song. And, um, you know, they, you don't remember. I don't think I remember this. No, what happened? 
they were like ignoring him and then they finally addressed it and Ian's like, well, why don't you go play a Minor Threat song, sir? And he goes, yeah, <laughs> if you can figure it out. And that was like, struck me as the funniest thing ever. It's it's so funny when somebody says something like that at a concert that makes it clear that they don't know like anything about this band. <laughs> like they never yes. play Minor Threat songs and they never have. Exactly. <laughs> and why would they? <laughs> And I, I love also how, yeah, that's that's a real Ian MacKay thing. He had like addresses people as sir, even, like, yes. when he's, yes. uh, even when he's having a confrontation with them. Uh, yeah, I, I always loved that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool that you were there. It's um, That was an interesting one to, uh, for sure. Very, very cold. Um, and, you know, somehow I don't remember it being a free show. I don't remember it being a paid ticketed show either. I guess that just, that part slipped yeah, believe, my mind too. Both times I saw them, it was free because the other one was at the mall in DC in 2000. I think the Smithsonian like sponsored it or something. It was under a tent and uh, same deal. We drove down um, <clears throat> to DC. I think my my friend, one of my, my group of friends, we, we, we kind of went to his parents and were like, you know, we've never been to DC. We kind of want to like see the you know, museums and monuments and, and also like this band's playing we want to see. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you're interested in that, like, we'll drive you down. And we were like, great, because that's what we were getting at. But um, I remember um, that was my first time going and same deal. We showed up really early and, and got, you know, right in the front row. And that was the, you know, just an amazing experience to see. Yeah, them for that that's first great. Time. Yeah. DC is a great tourist town, isn't it? It's like almost everything is free. So that's nice. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so. Today we're talking about Exit Only. It's the first track on Steady Diet of Nothing. Um, and I'm going to give you the first word on it. So what should we talk about first when it comes to Exit Only? Um, no, this is a, a really cool cool one. I love first songs. Like First songs are great in kind of like setting the stage for the whole album. And, and the, the first striking thing I thought of when you kind of said, what do you think about Exit Only, was the, the album itself and that this is to me like one of their most interesting albums with respect to kind of how it's thought of and perceived in their catalog. Um, I feel like it's kind of like a polarizing. Some come, some guys think it's like a kind of throwaway, um, you know, or like a you know forgotten about um, album. And some are kind of like this is my favorite album. I think um, in kind of reading up on it a little bit and kind of my observations, like. I love it. It has some of my favorite songs on it. I think from kind of like a production quality, I know that it's their first self-produced album. So they kind of, um, I think they described it as kind of this like democratic approach to mixing where they kind of gave all instruments an equal volume because they didn't kind of want to like step on each other's toes or whatever. Um, So that definitely leads it to be more of like a a flat kind of not as dynamic as their other albums, almost like sterile sounding, like Mm -hmm. streamlined. But I I like that. I like it. And I think it's just kind of this stripped down, like, this is what it is at its most basic, without a lot of tinkering, you know, going on in the studio. So that first kind of, um, you know, from the drone of the guitars, where it kind of, you know, the volumes swell up, and it it almost kind of reminds me of, uh, like, an orchestra kind of, like, tuning, like, hitting the A, and then it kind of goes up. It's like the punk version of that, right? So um, to that, the beat, I love... I love that that Brent and it's just kind of this machine chugging along and and I think the mix kind of like plays to that song perfectly because like that's it's just that kind of like trudging chugging chugging like beat of the song I love it yeah and certainly the um the, the way the drums come in with that little um 
I guess it, is it a snare roll? Um, yeah, yeah snare I guess I guess it's toms, yeah. yeah, yeah, a few different drums. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it bursts in in a way that is very compelling and and like aggressive. Um, it's interesting what you say about because I think one of the notorious things about this album is that they said like there's no reverb right we're not gonna we're not gonna use reverb um yeah and like yeah on, on one hand you can say well they're not adding anything but also when you think about it like that's that doesn't mean it's natural because like when when you're listening to music naturally like in a in a space um like seeing a concert reverb does occur naturally so it's sure it, it's stripped down but uh it's there's something like also unnatural to that. So there's, yeah, there's that sort of interesting tension that uh, uh, comes with the, with the mixes on this album, I guess. That's a really good point. And it maybe not stripped down, but like almost like isolated, right? Yeah. Like, Cause it's like, you really hear every instrument and it's like perfectly clear. And even in like exit only, there's the, the feedback uh, things that are going on in that intro, but it's so, it's so polished and tight. It's almost like it's it's not, you know, feedback to me. I, I think of like kind of this like dynamic and all over the place and everything. But this is still like very succinct and tight and like almost goes very perfectly with that beat. Well, yeah. And you can kind of, you know, pick out if you listen to that feedbacky intro carefully, just the different guitars doing different things like you can pretty clear clearly hear one like it sounds like bending a string maybe behind the nut so the pitch wavers up and down yep um yep. yeah you can just you can dissect a little bit of that it doesn't all get lost in like a wash of craziness totally and it's very you know textural and layered and i love how it's kind of you know you you can clearly say okay you know what instrument's doing and they're just kind of building to, to kind of build, you know, layer on that song. And that's like what this band is about, just kind of like assembling the different parts. Everybody kind of knows where they should play and like the space that the other guy's not playing to kind of just fill it in. And it, and it all just kind of works. It's great. Even like the dancing on the hi-hat, just not playing that straight beat, that like that. I just remember hearing that and like, of course, like how cool is that? Why would you just play, you know, quarter notes on a hi-hat? Now, are you a drummer? I am. I started a guitar. Uh, you know, when I was fourteen, started on guitar, and then you know, picked up the bass as well. After that, and then drums were always around, so you know, would always kind of hop behind there and figure it out. So I have a drum set. I wouldn't consider myself a drummer. I played briefly in a couple bands as as a drummer, but know know my way around enough to to kind of uh, you know get into to some drummer's head sometimes. Yeah, yeah. If you own a set and you've <laughs> been a drummer in a band, that's that's all the qualifications I, I need. Uh, that's yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, I, as I've said on the podcast before, I like talking to drummers. That's that's my lacking uh, area of knowledge. So uh, yeah, it's good for you. You can fill in uh, what I what I uh, forget or don't know. <laughs> Something else too, I guess, about when the um, when the music when the feedback swells in like that. I guess it's a little bit turning on its head things they had done before like i think when when you think about fugazi and feedback you think of their songs sort of devolving into feedback whereas this one exactly yes does the opposite and sort of yeah sort of introduces the album that way the other thing that's kind of switched because that's that's a good point i hadn't thought of that but i was thinking about like the structure and like when we can get into the lyrics too but like it almost was like the verse starts like the the exon part is like a chorus because, and then it goes into the verse, you know, two, two bars of the verse. And then it's like the chorus again, but it changes. But then the verse 
is again, but the verse stays the same, and usually the chorus stays the same, and the verses switch. So like that's something interesting I noticed as I was kind of looking that it's almost like this like reverse structure, which I'm I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely not one of those songs that's like you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus. It's uh no, it's it's, its own thing. Uh, it's it has it has chants really you know like it opens with a mm-hmm. with a kind of chant and and has different chants as as it goes along um yeah it's i like uh i mean if we're going to talk about that in the beginning the exunt it's um i like it's it's always an interesting choice when the vocal melody just sort of and scansion matches exactly what say the guitar is doing um it's that yep. it's like uh Jimi Hendrix doo, voodoo doo, child doo. thing. Yeah. Totally. Yep, yep. I'll say this about the intro too, which is that when the bass comes in, Joe says he didn't use a stingray bass after like basically 13 songs. Like he never recorded with it. He played he played with it live, of course, but he didn't record with it, which which I found mind-blowing, especially when it comes to a song like this because the bass on this song sounds like a stingray to me. It has that it sounds like a humbucker right next to that bridge. Yeah, yeah it it's is um, so rattly, grindy, hot, uh, sizzling almost. It it has that whole thing that I associate with a stingray. So maybe it's just like no. That's a really good point. It, it totally does sound like it would be you know a power chord on a on a on a humbucker there. And I don't remember if it might have been an interview I I heard or, or read with him. He, I don't think he even remember. He's like, yeah, you know, like I I would borrow people's bases and then. He he kind of it was interesting because he said he kind of uses that stingray out of utility because he's like I don't really necessarily care about care for it sonically but it was the only thing that could cut through yeah. their amps and like he was saying that uh he would have to hold his ear up to to his 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 uh amp sometimes to just to hear himself <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah. it was more out of utility I think he said he was playing it Yeah that's um yeah, who knows? Maybe it it just came out from time to time, and it's just not something that he even remembers because he doesn't focus too much on <laughs> on what he was using in the studio at what time. I don't know. So, um, yeah, do you want to tackle the lyrics? Um, I I, <laughs> I gotta say up front, this is one of the more difficult ones. It's <laughs> extremely yeah. oblique and gee fashion. Totally was, and I think it could probably be, you know, anything. I, you know, I, I kind of got, like, themes from it, but I can't say, you know, I don't think anybody can pinpoint, like, it's about specifically this or that. Um, I got this, obviously, main theme of kind of, like, leaving and exiting, obviously, but more in the sense of, like, walking away from something I got. Like, um, it, it's question questioning is a lot of things. There's questions in the lyrics. He says, so pop the question. He says, don't ask me. Um, so when I kind of couple those two things together, I kind of, my mind goes to like this kind of like, and the, the song itself, like there's, it's repetitive in nature. So this kind of like grinding, and I don't know whether or not it's something, you know, referencing like the band being asked the same questions over and over, or, you know, <laughs> the same kind of things c- coming up, you know, even touring, like same thing over and over, you know, every night, you know, and just kind of being like, you know what, like, I'm going to kind of remove myself. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk away. Like, that's the kind of vibe I was getting. Yeah, right. Leave the last place burning or do we just get leaving? Which which is, is weird also because there's the word or there, but they don't seem like opposite things to me, right? It's like leave that the is. last place burning and just get leaving. 
So yeah, if I'm if I'm thinking about it in like a show, because three minute access, I feel like what's like what's three minutes? It's like a song, you know, is three minutes. This song is three minutes eleven seconds. Uh huh. Like so, it's like you only have access for three minutes. So it's like I'm writing a song and. You know, it's probably, maybe it's like about people like us trying to interpret a three-minute song. <laughs> but um, um, that's that's where my mind was going with that. And then like the last place burning and, and get leaving and even exunt, it's like a, it's a stage direction, right? right. Um, in, in, in a printed play, it indicates like everybody leaving the stage. So I'm thinking of it in terms of like a show and like, you know, leave the last place burning or just get leaving about like, you know, what what happened during the show or something like that. That's just where my mind was going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those of you listeners who remember your Shakespeare from high school, that's where you've probably seen the word exunt before. Uh, it means several or at least more than one person leave the stage um, at the same time. Is that is that still used uh I mean, I don't know if you are, if you know, but is it still used in modern playwriting, or is it just sort of a relic? That's a good question, and not something I, w- I would know. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I will know. say that the only time I've heard it was in a Fugazi song, and S- St. Patrick being the same 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 ghost for that one. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. I think I I also remember something like Exunt severally in uh as like stage direction in shakespeare which i guess just means they they exit in different ways they don't exit together um so that's a yes. that's a phrase that rings out of my mind yeah exit and uh so st patrick um, i'm guessing you probably looked that up <laughs> i did and there's a couple couple um i guess definitions it's like a in a, in a biological sense like like biology um it says um well, the first one I saw was two related species or populations are considered sympatric when they exist in the same geographical area and thus frequently encountering one another. Or right. there is a kind of separate one, kind of a riff on that. It's like an initially interbreeding population that spills into two or more distinct species if they're sharing a, a common you know, geographic area. Right. And so, so I guess it's important one. that it's not like wolves and deer. It's two closely related species Yes, um, that are that are distinct from each other but they're related they share the same sort of area or at least the area overlaps um yeah so (laughs) how does that apply to this song man that's the real question um i guess like the one thing that i thought was pretty interesting when i was looking at it uh when i was looking it up was that that sympatry it said uh can cause coevolution by which both species undergo genetic changes due to the selective pressures that one species exerts on the other. So that's like just one way in that uh, sympatric species affect one another. It's like they're, I don't know, competing for resources. They have to adapt to something because the other population adapted to something. So yeah, when two, uh, I don't know, when two things are sympatric, they are interconnected in, in some interesting and deep ways. Sure. And when I started to dig deep into that word, too, it almost like made my mind go to like a, like a, you know, if you think of geographic area and you think of like a scene, right? Or like, you know, you know, a specific area, like, is that what it might, might be referencing and like kind of leaving, like walking away from that, like you're kind of expected to do, be a certain way and, and you're not, and you're kind of departure, have a departure from that. That's where my mind was going with that one. But like, I don't know, like, 
Honestly, if you're not a biologist, where the hell do you come across this word anyway? That's a good question. I'd love to ask you that. (laughs) Yeah, like, I couldn't find any, like, references in literature anywhere. So, like, did he just need that word that, like, rhymed or didn't, you know, Google didn't exist in 1991. So, where the the hell did he come up with that word? I consider myself fairly well read, but uh, I've never seen this word anywhere else. Uh, So, yeah, who knows? Nor have I. It's, um... Well, I thought he was saying super trick when I when I first heard the song. I remember. Oh, you thought it was super trick. I I was uh, super trick. I thought uh, Saint Patrick myself. <laughs> like yeah, I, this which would be even more confusing maybe. Yes, yes. Um, it would be a song about uh, getting rid of snakes, something. <laughs> yeah, the, this question about what uh, what popping the question means exactly. Um, red light my mind, refuse your filter. The, the only, th- I can't come up with literal explanations. I can only bring images to mind and associations in which like red light is, is that like the opposite of green light in movie parlance? So like to disapprove or deny something, maybe. Mm. Um, I thought that like r- the red light and the word filter in close proximity just make me think of cigarettes for some reason. Um, sure. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it really has anything to do with that. Uh, these are just the things that float into my mind, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and notably, it's like it, he d- there's no even uh, there's no second verse to further explain things, or rather, there is, but it's like a second verse, same as the first situation. <laughs> it's like sure. What you you didn't understand what I was saying? Oh, like let me let me say that same thing again. Maybe you'll get it this time. <laughs> it's like doesn't help that much. Yeah, but th- it, but it's almost like teasing you with it it's like yeah i'm just i said what i have to say here it goes again i'm filling out this the three minutes of the song three minute access it's probably just you know the case of where it it's probably not you know maybe who knows if it's about a specific thing or just kind of like a a mood and a theme and a feeling like i'm I'm, i was trying to think and, and i was i was reading a little bit about you know this album and in general they would just tour 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 come home um, record an album to kind of like get the new songs down and on on tape and then go tour 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 tour. So like that, I get that feeling from this song. Like this kind of like machine, like in and out again and again and again, repetitive, repetitive. Like you know, somebody's asking me this song. Like we played another show, we got off the stage. We you know, like that's the kind of vibe I'm getting of uh, of this song and and kind of maybe how it how it's structured and how it's proposed is this whole kind of idea of this kind of monotony and repetitiveness um, hmm. and, you know, getting asking questions and, 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 you know, coming home and kind of getting it down on tape. That's interesting. I had not considered that. I think that would play into the line, I keep my back above the tire tracks, like I'm constantly on the road, maybe, moving, yeah, uh, on tour. Good. Hmm. Hmm, we may be getting somewhere. Okay, I like that. <laughs> the, the way that it was written, um, you know, you mentioned before about how it's the first song on the album and you know how does it present itself and thereby present the album like what does it have to say about the rest of the album that this song is first um and uh, Mm. like it doesn't strike me that fugazi ever wrote a song like planning for it to be the first song on an album right i these songs would just be born out of jams and then like when they went to to record them i guess uh, then they would decide. This is this is my impression. I don't know, um, but still, like I think it's worth asking. Like, what does it say? Um, and of course, it's it's interesting to title the first song on right. the album "Exit Only," 
um, instead of like instead of being an entrance. But then also in the lyrics, right, like the, at the the very last line, he says, "I'll meet you at the exit." So it's it's as if he's saying to the listener, "We're gonna go on this journey together. Like listen to this whole album from beginning to end, and uh, and I'll I'll meet you there." So uh, these are yeah these are things that come up if you if you want to read the song that way is like a purposeful uh, first bookend to to an album. That's very cool. No, I, I and it's totally. I agree, and I, I, I'm I'm sure that's probably how it was. Like I think their songs are are like assembled, right? They and you know I think listening to to instrument and kind of hearing how they how they work through songs that's very apparent. Um, and then I I'm assuming the albums are probably the same way, kind of like assembled, like kind of let's lay it out, see see what we have, and kind of um, see what makes sense and the best flow. And totally could see the irony of saying let's let's have the first song you know be about an, an, an exit and then kind of tee up that uh you know mm-hmm. i'll meet you at the exit that's that's really interesting i'm i'm reaching pretty far with this next one but you know thinking about just the phrase exit only and where you are most likely to see that would be like in traffic right um which yeah. y- you know in an exit only lane which you know i guess is uh could could relate to what we were just talking about before about this being a little bit of a song about being on tour, being on the road, but it also mm-hmm. means if you're in an exit only lane, uh, you can't stay where you are if you want to continue. So, yeah, could could have like a metaphorical wow. value in like like hey, if you want to if you want to listen to this album, you have to sort of readjust yourself, uh, like get ready for something different. Uh, what do you think? Possible? Repeat, re- repeat what you just said because that was really good. The, the, if you're if you're in an exit only lane, what did you say? Yeah, if you're if you're driving in an exit only lane on the highway, you can't stay where you are if you want to continue on on that highway. Yes, right? yes. So yeah, That's very very yeah. If we're analyzing metaphors and assuming things are metaphors, uh, then that's that's a thing to think about. Very cool. No, you always you always kind of take it to the next level. Like I feel like I'm I'm thinking about it in one layer, and then you can take that and like go to that next level. But I think that's really cool. That's very very cool. Very good point. I give it a shot. <laughs> um, do, do you have anything else about the lyrics? Um, I think that's all I had written down. Like I, you know, I would have loved to come come in and say like i've i've cracked the code i got it figured out with this <laughs> yeah, one same but here <laughs> i think this is like that like i was saying this kind of like it's just like a thematic like i get a theme from it but i don't i don't know if i'll if, if you can drill any deeper um to that it, it, you know sure and, you know obviously one one person knows what it's about and it might not it might be just that it might just be you know i've i've kind of explored songs and written songs where it's just kind of like a feeling right and it's not about a specific thing or a specific moment of time just kind of things that have that i've experienced and i'm, I'm writing them down and they kind of assemble themselves into a song so that very mill very may well be the case yeah there are definitely some songwriters who it's like they're writing ciphers right like there's there's a key and it's in their head uh, and they have the thing that they've produced, but uh, like an outside observer would be very hard pressed to make a connection between the output and its meaning without knowing what's inside the writer's head. Um, and yeah, yeah. Some, I think Guy is like that a lot of the time, uh, just, or at least just challenging us. Um, Definitely not, not, not on the nose very much uh, of about, what anything is about which which i like 
Well, I had a few more things to say about the music, which is, uh, well, for one thing, uh, we talked about the intro, but I forgot to talk about the pause, which is yep. like, yeah, the feedback comes in, there's noise, there's a pause, a la Waiting Room, their most famous yep. song. Um, this one is a bit different, like it's not total silence, you can sort of hear them fiddling around and almost like ad- adjusting something or making little uh, tiny movements, so... That's yeah. That adds adds a little tension and uh, kind of the way that waiting room does. I love it, and to me, like, and I know you've played in a band, and I have as well. That reads as like they probably did it, did it, did a take, and kind of messed it up, paused, and went into it or went into something, and then uh, probably liked how it sounded, kind of thing, and yeah. then just like played it that way from from then on. Like you know, you've had that moment where you kind of messed up, and you're like, "Wait a minute, that kind of worked," and then yeah. you kind of play through it. That, that's how it, it reads a little bit to me. <laughs> Did this sidetrack talking about that? Do you know the band Nerf Herder? Oh yes, I do. Yep. So that song "Nose Ring Girl." Yeah. There's like I. So you maybe remember what I'm talking about, but it sounds like exactly what you were saying, or like at the very nose last ring. chorus. Yeah, they play the, yep, this like totally fucked up one chord. Of those moments. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fucked up chord, and then it like does these couple other chords, and it comes back in an amazing way. And I was like, wait a minute, yes. <laughs> Did they, like it's it almost sounds like they are they recreated like a studio a fuck up in rehearsal or something totally. and it it's yeah to amazing effect yeah i'll, I'll go ahead they and put a link to that in the show notes listeners uh check it out it's a good song they do that a couple times with uh, the longest line call out and they do uh i got my mindset right they do a couple oh, yeah. couple little like funny things where their songs start to sound like other songs so it's like i'm just gonna <laughs> sing that verse part right now you know because it's so apparent but yes that's exactly what i'm referencing yep i was also thinking that the um yeah, some of the the rapid when the you know actual playing does come in, there's this rapid strumming uh, rhythm guitar that sort of pre presages the next song on the album, Reclamation, where that's like the backbone of the thing. So yep. there's a little bit of similarity there to me, and um, it's it's one of those Fugazi songs where there's a lot of chaos sort of going on during the verses and. In, in, like instead of just well structured playing, there's there's noise, there's there's craziness happening, and then it sort of all starts to lock together when Guy is saying "sympatric." It's it all mm-hmm. sort of like, boom, coalesces into like a tight thing, almost as if to show like, hey, we can do this too, and th- yeah, so they kind of get into lockstep, and then the only the other thing that really jumped out to me about the music of this one is where Guy sings "I'll meet you." it's it does it's these very straightforward like sort of power chords and it's a progression that i think sounds more like just pure emo than anything else fugazi ever did just something about that (laughs) chord progression i don't know what it is i did i noticed so i i tried to i i did i did i did my homework and this song and i you know aside from listening to a couple times i said let me just like play along to it to see what he's playing and kind of get the feel for the song and i did notice that too, that was one of the th- i was like they're not really playing any power chords until that this end part you know and then it kind of you know coalesce and, and has that structure to it at the end so i that is definitely an observation i had mm-hmm. um and then regarding the kind of like you know chaotic and and, and feedback and stuff regardless of that like going back to my earlier report i feel like it's still so tight like i just i have it as this like very tight structured song and i think you know 
it's so funny that there's those kinds of parts and I still, my mind still kind of thinks of it as this like very, you know, mechanic tight structured song. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, well, it's one of those, I guess it's, it's easier to, for everything to be so tight with, uh, with Brendan behind the kit. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. And Joe playing bass. Yeah. You always, you always have that to come back to, uh, no matter how crazy you get. Well, um, what do you think? Should we uh, talk about ratings? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Um, <laughs> sure. as, as you know, if you've heard this show, we like to rate every song on a scale of one to five stars in the context of the Fugazi catalog. So what do you think about Exit Only? Yeah, no, these are funny, and I like I like to kind of do them along as as I listen to the, to the, the podcast. And, um, it's the same thing. I think everybody's like, Oh, you know, ratings are, are bull crap. But, uh, I, I don't, you know, I think they're, they're cool. If, as long as you kind of take in mind that it's, you know, capturing how you feel in a moment of time, because yeah. this is the case for me. And I'm sure it's the case for everybody. My, my opinions are constantly changing and, and my ratings change, you know, based on where I am in my life, my closeness and understanding to the song, like, two of my favorite songs reclamation and shut the door were kind of like afterthoughts to me until I saw them played live. And then I was just like, what, you know, and then in, uh, shut the door on, on instrument like that to me, was like, Oh, oh my, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this song, how would, how did I like forget about the song? This is the greatest song ever. So just kind of putting into perspective that, you know, even exit only now that I've kind of dug into it a little bit more, it probably ticked my rating up. Uh, a little for me, but you know, I give it a solid, a solid four. It's, it's, um, you know, a good. I love leadoff songs. It's a good leadoff song to me. Like this is the song that says "Steady a Diet of no- Steady Diet of Nothing." It's kind of introduces you to it. It's, it's tight. It's, you know, I love the, the, the drum beat and the, the kind of solidness of the, the background on it. So I give it, a, I give it a four. Okay, cool. Um, I, yeah, I, it's not as up there for me. Um, but. But it's all right. I think I'm gonna have to go straight down the middle with a three for this one. Yeah, I guess I guess we've we've said it all about this. I don't know. I think maybe slightly clearer lyrics would uh, <laughs> bump it up for me. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Gee is not enti- is not uh, under any obligation to deliver uh, clear lyrics. But I think I right. I just sort of tend to like songs more if I have a better idea of what they're about. But yeah, uh, all all other things uh, considered, it's a pretty nice jam, and it's uh, an interesting way to start an album. Yeah, I was probably at a, a three and a half before I dug into it more, and then it, it got bumped up to a four. But yeah, definitely, definitely a great one. Right on. Uh, I guess before we move on, there's um, I'll give a shout out to some some of our listeners on social media uh, who have comments on this. Ryan Albert says it's the first Fugazi song I ever heard, and the first time I used a dictionary to look up words from a song. Um, <laughs> Same, yeah. About the dictionary part, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oliver Kogod says I love the bass and drum groove combined with his swirling guitars. I'd imagine Guy was aware he was pronouncing St. Patrick like super trick. I guess it's all part of the trick, maybe. And then uh, Dustin <laughs> Henry Carrier uh, replied to that, saying, "Definitely, always legit thought he was saying St. Patrick." Yeah, same here. <laughs> And a friend of the show, Jared Coffin, says, I love how it sounds like a swarm of bees in the beginning. Perfect start to a great underrated album. Awesome. All right, so let's talk plugs. Do you have anything? Where can listeners reach you at least? Uh, Anything coming up to plug or promote at all? Um, So I don't have, I mean, my Twitter, which I'm not 
crazy active on is at Justin the Todd. Um, but I, I have a couple uh, nonprofits that I could talk about if that's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's two. Um, one is is a, a nonprofit we we donate to. I, I, when I play in a in a band, um, we like to give our proceeds. Um, typically, it's local bands, so we don't really you know pay the bands for traveling and stuff like that. So it, it'll be local, and we'll we'll give the proceeds to um, a charity. And one of them has a, a personal connection to one of the members in the band, and it's it's called the the Ukulele Kids Club. Um, the web address is the ukc.org. Um, it's about bringing music therapy to children um, in hospitals, um, specifically through giving them ukuleles and teaching them how to play. Um, so they'll kind of um, go into hospitals, donate these ukuleles to children, teach them how to play kind of in support of music therapy as they're sick and trying to, to better themselves. Um, it's a really cool organization. So that was the the first one. Um, That's a really cool idea. Then, I have a couple of ukuleles yeah. here and I'd love to uh, teach my daughter when she gets old enough. I think it would be super cute. So that's, yeah, that sounds like an awesome charity. Definitely. Great, uh, you know, kind of first instrument to play and learn the fundamentals of, of guitar. Um, and then the second one is HDC Mid-Atlantic, it's called. It's, um, it's a nonprofit dedicated to providing quality, affordable rental housing for families, seniors, and individuals with disabilities. Um, it's uh, throughout the Mid-Atlantic area. But uh, a good friend um, uh, works for this, this organization, and she, you know, she's one of the ones that was the, the group of friends I talked about that I met that really kind of introduced me to this music and, and, and all of that. So that's, uh, you can find out more there at hdcweb.com, um, but uh, another great organization. So I don't have anything that would you know, benefit me personally, but I figured I should kind of uh, give some plugs that to organizations that I thought would be uh, worthwhile. So hope yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Okay. I think Fugazi would approve. Yes, very good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much, Justin. Uh, it's been great talking to you. My plugs are, hey, spread the word about the show, recommend it to a friend or give it a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever. You can reach me at Fugazi A to Z at gmail.com, and you can join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi, and just say whatever comments you have to say about the song that I'm recording next. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we will be discussing X Spectator. Until then, keep your eyes open. This is my life.